0: You know, people have often unjustly condemned God. And you hear this even today. How could a loving God allow so much suffering in the world? Or maybe a question like, how could a loving God send people to hell? Or why would God create Satan? And yet Paul reveals to us, Isaiah as well, he shows us the great love of God. That his arms are continually outstretched toward a disobedient and contrary world. And yet, it is because of God's outstretched hands that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved.
1: Now, here's Pastor John with today's message from God's
0: Word. Romans 10, 14 through 21, a message that I entitled, How to Have Beautiful Feet. I broke it into three parts, verses 14 and 15, how shall they hear? Verses 16 through 18, faith comes by hearing. And 19 through 21, God's outstretched hands. Father, we thank you for this, your word, and for what it teaches us. Help us, Lord, to be open to receive from your word this morning. I pray, Father, that you would just open our hearts to the message that you would have for us, the mission that you would have for us. Help us to grow and to learn and to understand, but not just to learn information. Lord, help us to learn how we might apply these things to our own lives. We pray in the name of Jesus, amen. In verse 18, he says, But I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed. Their sound has gone out to all the earth, and their words to the end of the earth. Now, there's a couple of things that i have been really attentive of as we've gone through the last several chapters here in romans one that paul is quoting old testament passages over and over again this particular quote comes from psalm 19 verse four where he says that their sound has gone off into all the earth their words to the ends of the earth but here David the psalmist is talking about the testimony of the sun itself and that sun's daily circuit of coming up rising from the east get my directions right here setting in the west like in verse 5 he says like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoices like a strong man to run his race that God's testimony daily is available for those who are willing to look and see the glory of God's creation. That's what David used this verse. And so we learned that in order for faith to be united in someone's heart, the word of God must first be declared. And we find that God is there with his outstretched hands, verses 19 through 21. In verse 19, he says, first of all, that God provokes them to jealousy Verse 19, but I say to you, Did Israel not know? First Moses says, I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation, I will move you to anger by a foolish nation. Once again, Paul takes some liberty in this quote from Moses. It comes from Deuteronomy thirty-two, twenty-one, and it's actually directed to God. The original quote It says, they have provoked me, meaning God, they have provoked me to jealousy by what is not God. They have moved me to anger by their foolish idols, but I will provoke them to jealousy by those who are not a nation. And so he's initially talking about God being provoked by the nation of Israel because they were worshiping false gods. And then God reverses it and said, To Israel, I will provoke them to jealousy by those who are not a nation. Now, Paul uses this quote to show how God was provoking the Jews of his day, even anger, by the work of God's salvation among the Gentiles. In Acts 13 46, Paul and Barnabas, they grew bold and they said to their Jewish brethren, It was necessary for the word of God to be spoken to you first. But since you rejected it and judge yourself unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. And although Israel remains God's chosen nation, as seen through God's promises, his covenants, his laws given to them, God's work of salvation has not been limited to Israel. As we learned last week in Romans 10:13, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And here we find in verses 20 and 21, just a beautiful picture of God's great love toward a disobedient world. But Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. But to Israel, he says, all day long, I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. Taken from Isaiah 65, verses 1 and 2, it shows us that God would be found by the Gentiles in the last days, who for the most part, they weren't even searching for God. On the other hand, the Jews, those who had received God's promises, his covenants, his laws, they had, for the most part, rejected God's outstretched arms. You know, people have often unjustly condemned God, and you hear this even today. How could a loving God allow so much suffering in the world? Or maybe a question like, how could a loving God send people to hell? Or why would God create Satan? And yet Paul reveals to us, Isaiah as well, he shows us the great love of God, that his arms are continually outstretched, toward a disobedient and contrary world it reminded me of Jesus in Revelation 320 where we read of Jesus saying behold I stand at the door and knock and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door I will come into him and dine with him and he with me Jesus continually knocking waiting for individuals to open the door of faith in their hearts God continually standing with his arms outstretched toward a disobedient people, toward a disobedient world. And yet it is because of God's outstretched hands that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We come back to the original question of this passage in verse 14. How can we have beautiful feet? Well, it's by being obedient to God's call upon our lives to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world in need of a Savior. And that Savior's name is Jesus. Now, it has been advertised that I am teaching today from my life verse. I don't know if I've ever considered this as my life verse. I've always referred to 1 Peter 5.7, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. It's kind of a life verse for me because I've depended upon that so often. And I find myself doing that often, just casting my cares, my concerns, my anxieties upon the Lord. That's a good verse to hold on to. But I can tell you that Romans 10.14, a portion of Romans 10.14, is a verse that changed the course of my life for these last 30 years. And so in that sense, yes, it is a life verse. I remember on a Sunday morning back in 1989, I was sitting in a young adult Sunday school class. I had a NIV Bible that I don't own anymore. I don't know what happened to it. I was looking for it, I probably gave it to someone. I don't use the NIV. I got mad at it for a while. You know how some of the newer translations don't put all the Bible verses in the Bibles? And uh, someone came to me in the prayer room at Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, and they asked me, why should I be baptized? And I said, well, here, I'll show you in this verse right here in the book of Acts. And the verse wasn't there. The verse I wanted to show the individual, it wasn't there. It was in a, a little tiny print at the bottom of the page. It was there, but not really there. And so that was the moment I quit using the NIV. But in that NIV, I had already underlined a portion of Romans 10, 14. And the portion that I had underlined was, how shall they hear without a preacher? It's underlined in this passage as well. I don't have the whole verse underlined. I just have that portion underlined in my Bible that I use now. Probably in every Bible you find I have it underlined that's in my house. How shall they hear without a preacher? I had previously underlined that. It meant that to me that verse spoke to me. It was enough that I should underline it. But I was sitting in that Sunday school class with Lily in 1989, 30 years ago. Wow, someone's getting old. Anyways, I remember that someone said something wrong in the class. So it wasn't any divine moment of, Lord, I know you want me to do something. I'm going to uh, just look in your word and find your call for my life. No, I was looking through the word to prove somebody wrong that they had spoken of in that class. So even my motives for thumbing through the passage at that time, they weren't very high. By the way, I never got around to trying to prove them wrong by the word of God or show them that they were wrong. Because as I was leafing through the pages of the Bible, my eyes hit this passage. And I knew that moment that the Lord was asking me personally that question. And I'd been praying for over a year and a half, asking the Lord, what would you have me to do? How do you want me to serve you? And I'd actually had kind of this unspoken prayer that if I was 28 years old at this time, if by the time of 30 years old i didn't feel that the lord had any specific call on my life then i had been running work for other brick mason companies since i was 23 years old so i had determined if i make it to 30 i might as well run the work for myself and go into business for myself that was in the back of my mind and so i gave the lord a few years to answer the i don't know if that was right or not but that That's kind of the ongoing prayer that was going on. Reading that passage, it changed the course of our family from that moment forward. I was thinking about it a lot this week because the Lord spoke to my heart. I didn't lean over to Lily and say, God's really speaking to me now. I probably didn't say a word to her, but at the end of the service that Sunday morning, I got up and I went forward and I told the pastor, I think the Lord's calling me to preach calling me to ministry he shared that with the congregation and in fact I remember saying I know what the Lord has now called me to do and then that verse says and how shall they hear unless they are sent I said I don't know how the Lord would have me to do it I haven't been sent yet that the sending was necessary The moment I read these words, I knew Jesus was calling me to preach. And I think what the Lord did to me, as I look back now 30 years over this, I think he was showing me a destination, kind of like looking from one mountaintop to another. He gave me a glimpse of what he wanted me to be. But, you know, until I became the pastor here at Calvary Chapel of Lake Villa, there would be 10 years between the call and the ordination here at Calvary Chapel of Lake Villa. And during those 10 years, 10 plus years, there would be some valleys that I would go through. And sometimes I would be in the, the valleys and in some way I would think that, am I even making progress toward my call? If you've never read uh, John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, a great book, I would suggest if you can find it translated in modern language that it's worth doing that unless you really like the old King James then read it that way. But I couldn't get through the book until I got a different translation of it. But much like the lead character, Christian, in Pilgrim's Progress, the Lord would uh, bring him to a mountaintop every once in a while to show him that he is making progress toward his call. And I think the Lord was doing that with me. But afterwards, I would find some valley, some pit that I would uh, no longer see the end goal. But nevertheless, there was this continuation of taking steps of faith. I remember prior to being called as your pastor here at Calvary Chapel of Lake Villa, that I was in one of those laws that I had not given up, but I felt defeated for quite a while. And we had actually shut down a work that we were trying to do in Zion, and we had there was four couples all together, including Lily and myself, and we began attending here. And by the time I became your pastor, it was just Lily and I who continued to come to Calvert Chapel of Lake Villa. I couldn't even hang on to the three that I brought with us here. And I felt defeated. But I also felt determined that the Lord has called me to preach. At that same time, my boss Offered me dividends in the company. He wanted me to eventually be a partner in his business, and I didn't even have to think about. It. I was doing nothing in ministry, as far as I'm concerned. Probably playing bass on the worship team. I'm not saying that that is nothing. I'm just saying that that is what I was doing. But God hadn't called me to be a bass player. He called me to be a preacher. So I felt like I was failing, and yet. When my boss offered me the same year that I was called as your pastor, prior to that offered me dividends in the company, I did not hesitate to turn them down. And I told him, I remember telling him, I said that, you know, something like, you live to work, your life is in this business, but I work just because I need to live, to pay for our home and to provide for my family but the lord has called me to preach and for me to become part of owners in this a business it would be for me taking a step back on that call i couldn't see that i could do both remember back at that time 10 years earlier it was either call me or i'll go into business for myself so he called me so how could i be part of the business And so I turned it down. I didn't even say, you know what, I need to think about it. I don't know how foolish that turn down was, but I did nonetheless. From the time of my call until I became a pastor, additional 10 plus years would take place. I emphasize that because I think sometimes we receive a word from the Lord and we think that that word must be, instantaneous that it's gonna happen suddenly that could happen but it may not always be true I look back to that Sunday morning some 30 years ago sitting in the basement of that church in that Sunday school class when my eyes came across the words that had been underlined in my Bible previously that said and how shall they hear without a preacher When my eyes saw those words and my my legs went literally weak I shook. I knew what the Lord had called me to do. And I knew that I needed to respond to that call. And I didn't waste any time in response. On that same morning, just probably an hour, hour and a half later, I responded to the Lord's call. And it changed the course of our family's life. I'm so grateful that Lily, that there was no debate about, He may have called you, but he didn't call me. That Lily has been right alongside me the whole time because I know, and I have a friend who pastors a very large church in Las Vegas. That's how it was for him. He was part of the school of ministry, and his wife, his first wife, had nothing to do with the faith that he had found himself in. Eventually, it led to their divorce, and I don't know all the circumstances behind it, but I know that, he was determined to wait for his wife to come alongside him in ministry. He even took steps toward the ministry by going to the school of ministry, like I did. But he was still waiting for his wife to respond, and she never would respond. So I'm I'm grateful for the situation that God planted me in. He planted me in a household of faith that uh, there was no argument, no uh, discussion, but actually an encouragement except for from my mom when we moved to california she didn't like that there were some hardships from lily's parents as well they didn't like us moving away but when you respond to the call of god it means that you put christ before all things i think that's partly why in my heart i mean lily's done it to me as well She went down to Mexico to do missions work. It was kind of an announcement. I want to go to Mexico to do work in the missions. I don't know if she invited me to go or not. I stayed home and watched the kids. God's done it both ways for us, but we've been supportive of each other in ministry, and I'm thankful for that. But I've always understood, and I think Lily would feel the same way about this, that our Devotion is to God and to Jesus Christ, first and foremost. And then, secondly, our devotion is husband and wife to one another, to our family, and then third or fourth down to this church. But our devotion is to the Lord. And I just want to encourage you. I don't know the word that the Lord has spoken to you. Perhaps there's not a verse. Perhaps that verse is there and you've already underlined it. And you don't know it's going to become a life-changing verse for you at this point. I, I have to believe the first time I read this, underlined it in my passage, I thought, good point, Paul, underline that one. How would I know that one day it would be turned around as a question directed toward me? All I know is that we need to be open to what the Lord would have for us. We need to read the word of God looking for God to speak to us. And sometimes when we're not even looking, remember I was looking to prove somebody wrong by the word of God. My intent was not the greatest that Sunday morning. But God turned it around on me. And he changed the course of my life. I think that's what Jesus Christ does to each of us. He may not call us to preach like he's called me or others here. But His intent through salvation in Jesus Christ is to change the course, the direction of our lives for the good, for his good. In order that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In order that we would be those who would go forth and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to others. That others might believe, receive, grow, and go. And that call is to all of us. Thank you, Lord, for your word, for what it teaches us. And I pray, Father, that you would help us to be obedient to your word, to the call, Lord, that you're placing on our hearts. And I don't know, Lord, specifically what that call might be for every individual here. But I know, Lord, that you work in all of us corporately through our salvation, that through faith in Jesus Christ, Lord, we all come to faith in the very similar way. I don't know, Lord, exactly how uh, we come to faith in the sense of what brings us to praying to your Son for our salvation, but it's all through Jesus that we come to know Jesus as our Savior. And so, Lord, we stand on an equal footing, but then as each individual, Lord, you have specific calls that you would have for us, And so, Father, I I just pray that you would help us to discover those calls, to follow through with those calls. Maybe you've already given them to us, but help us, Lord, to be bold, to walk in faith in our love and adoration to you. And also, Lord Jesus, the first step of that faith is coming to faith in Jesus Christ. And we learn today, Lord, that you continually stand with outstretched arms toward a disobedient world. Speaking of those who do not believe in Jesus, Lord, your arms are continually outstretched. Lord Jesus, you continually stand at the door of our hearts. You knock that we might open, that you might come in, that we might receive you into our lives. And so I pray also, Lord, if there are those who don't know you as Savior, that they would respond to that first, most important call, and that is the call of salvation that you have given to whoever would call upon the name of the Lord, that we might be saved. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Pray that God would bless you and keep you, that his face would shine upon you and give you peace. God bless.
1: Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ.